So welcome, Pramid. How are you today? Thank you very much. I am good. Thank you. And thank you for having me on this show and making time for me. I really appreciate it. So one of the first things that I thought about when meeting you was how calm you seem to be. And for me, I'm usually around people who's easily stressed out or easily frustrated. You seem to be in a very good place. Why do you think that is? What's your secret? I'll answer your question in a short answer and then I'll go back to my journey on how I achieved this state. So at this moment, I focus a lot on being in the state because it's become like an addiction. Now, 20 years back, a friend of mine said, listen, you have a gift, use it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm a teenager, so I'm just going to do what I do. And of course, being a teenager, consciously being aware of what society wants you to be, where you are watching television, what listening to radio, you become that consciousness. So I would say I always had like two personalities, one which was the what society wanted me to And one was this calm person of mine who, from the heart space, if I saw someone poor, I would go help them. If I saw an animal in trouble, I would go help the animal, no matter where I was in the world. But it was only three years back that I finally realized that, you know what, it's okay for me to be in this less masculine state. It's okay to be a little kind and a little beautiful and pretty to help people. And that's when I shifted my focus from the business plan to the heart plan or the humanity plan. And like they say, when you love to do what you do and you focus, focus on that, the business just happens. And it just happened because people started connecting with me on a heart basis. And that really motivated me to endeavor myself to go deeper into my practice and be in the state. So of course, I have my bouts if I don't keep my discipline that I lose my balance. But I'm now getting wiser and quicker to come back to the balance. So my meditation, my yoga, trying to stay away from the usual news of TV and radio and tuning into the frequencies that really serve me. So why do you think you avoid like in TV news or watching the news? Why yeah. why do you avoid that? I don't like to be in that state. It's like I've been Does that put you in in a bad state? It does. Yeah, I wouldn't say a bad state, but it's a frequency I don't like. Yeah, because most of the TV news are very pessimistic and, yes. and, and negative, absolutely. Yes. So this friend of yours who's registering or seeing that you had a gift does he or she participate in any classes like yoga or meditation? What person was this? Yeah, so he's my childhood friend, kind of best friends and family brothers. And he is a Bollywood actor. So he's always supported me through the phases of my coming to India, going to Australia, giving me feedback and or promoting me to his friends and family because he believed in what I did. In fact, he believed more than I believed in myself. And uh, so he, yes, he participates in a lot of the work I do. And he's very much in touch with me and he gets a lot out of it. So did he try to involve you or make you participate in anything that he did or did you find the, this way on your own? Or were you, were you led into this genre of living with the meditation, with the yoga? Did he want to put you there or did you find the path yourself? Good question. You know, when I did my Reiki course when I was in law college, that's when my transition happened. And I went to the mountains to find myself because I spoke to my parents and I said, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing your business and I'm not doing law. It's not me. I need to go and find something I need to do. So I went to meet the Dalai Lama in Dharamsala, which is Tibetan exile. And for 15 days, I backpacked. And that journey was just full of stories of bliss, of cheating, of everything that was possible that could go right, that could go wrong. That story will need another podcast by itself. (laughs) (laughs) So when I came back and I started practicing Reiki and yoga, that's the time he told me, listen, you have a gift because you must have experienced a few of my sessions. 
I think it was parallel, but these words came to memorize me or they came up to me at a point when I really needed it, when I was going through a transition. And that's when the words came and he said, you have a gift. When another friend of mine in Australia said the same thing, listen, you have a gift. That's when I sat back and I said, hold on, two people are saying the same thing. I've got a lot of clients and friends who are with me because of that. I need to look at why they trust me more than I trust myself. And that was actually the transition for me in Australia in 2014, when I divorced in 2013. And that two years after my divorce was a massive transition for me because I questioned everything because my marriage and my career were all interlinked. So I questioned who I was and am I living a lie or what am I living and who am I? Why am I going through these patterns over and over again? So how old were you here? I was 27. 27 years Yeah, when old. I got married and I was 33 when I divorced. And you started on this path of finding your, your a better meaning? Or... Yes, a deeper meaning I must say because I started my career in 2004 into this field. But it was 2015 when I actually let go of the idea of only business and yeah. saying it's okay to help people being healthy and happy. And what did your parents think and say about your choice of not getting into the family business and pursuing what could seem to be their dream and pursuing your own? What was their opinion? Yeah. So earlier on, it was a challenge. <laughs> and uh, I was lucky that my karate sensei, who was my dad's sensei and still is my dad's sensei, guided me and said, no, he wants to choose this path. The fitness industry or the wellness industry is going to be massive in the future. It's okay. So that helped me transition into this. And I guess as I started scoring runs like this in cricket, you put runs, you put points on the board and then people trust you. So now they're quite proud that I've been able to do what I'm doing. So it's now an easier way of communicating with them. So how would you say your life is different today compared to when you were starting out or before you were starting out? You told me that you were lost, you went through a divorce, you weren't feeling so well. How is your life different today after years of practicing? Correct. Thank you for putting that years of practicing in because it essentially was that. It was like warming up for the real game. My life now is more of acceptance and of understanding balance. Because when you learn something new, you're like, wow. Everything is about being organic, being pure, being living this, living that. You chase the idealistic state, which does not exist because it's in your head. So I started being quite idealistic and lost friends, lost my relationship because I was creating a state that was never there and that will never be there. And now when I sit back and look at myself, I've got more balance. I'm like, okay, that's an idealistic state. Who am I? What do I like to do? And I've put that as my box or my center of life or my center of living, like my needs, my wants, my values and my beliefs. And I go by that. And does that mean I don't drink? No, of course, once in a way I might drink. But then do I like that state? Not really. So then why do I do it? I weigh out my options. I'm with a few friends. They really want me to drink. They feel like I'll be part of their group. Okay, maybe I'll have a drink. Am I willing to take the consequences of feeling slightly off next day? Yes. What can I do about it? Do more practice, do more yoga, maybe half an hour more, do a bit more meditation and try and flush it out? Possible. So I weigh out those options and I take a decision. You always feel that it's your decision. Yeah. You never feel that something else is controlling you. Like, for instance, sugar or social media or alcohol. You never feel like you're being controlled by any of those things. I do feel sometimes that it takes control of me, but I step out of it sooner than I used to. 
So maybe if you ask me this question after 10 years, and if I'm still in the same spot, then I have a lot more introspection to do. But I think each month I've put myself a goal of say about a percent a week. And I know it's difficult to have tangible assessment protocols, but once you put the intention out there, you'll be surprised how magically things start happening if you focus on the process. And that's what I'm doing now. I'm focusing on the process and I can feel the shift happening at 1% a week. So in two years time from last year, which is one year more to go, I hope to be in a much stronger state. So the news and the social media doesn't disturb me as much. So how did you start your day today? What, what do you typically do when a new day arises? What's your routine? So my ideal day, I share with you, yeah. is to wake up in the morning at say about 5.36, yeah. put on my yoga nidra, the guided meditation that I follow, and listen to it for about 45 minutes. Then wake up and do my morning ritual, which is having my raisins soaked overnight and then drinking two cups or two glasses of warm water and then starting off with my fundamentals that I require to do and then a bit of tea, breakfast, then lunch and then dinner, preferably at 4 or 5 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> That's my ideal day. And then in the evening to, of course, in the middle of breakfast, lunch and dinner, do work and then in the evening go for a sauna, a swim and then spend time with my father, go either walking with him or take him swimming and then in the night do the meditation again and go off to sleep. That's my ideal day. Do you feel that you, you're having an easier time going to sleep and sleeping better once you've done all these things? Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Not only sleeping better, but sleeping quality. One of the issues today, I think, in, in Western society is that we're very stressed. A lot of people have kids and they have stressful works mm. and they have tough time in traffic and, and they're they're going to have a hard time making this their schedule. Do you see that? Yes. How would you counter that if yes. you were living here? Yes. Because you live in... India now, yeah. But yeah. I did live in Australia. Exactly. So I've seen that part of the Western life. I don't have kids, so I don't know how I can speak for that. But I do have friends <clears throat> who have implemented these meditation techniques. And it takes away time from things they could possibly do with friends and their social life. But it pays back dividends because when the mama and dad are relaxed, are in that high frequency, the child just comes in. Yeah. So if you measure time put in versus time lost, you'll actually always come up because the child is less sick, the parents are less sick, yeah. there's less low frequency conversations happening. So you pretty much get through the day without the stress frequency, which yeah. I think is more important than stress itself. You know, it's like walking from here to a certain point. You can either walk in peace or you can walk in stress. Yeah. The distance doesn't change. It's your thought process and the frequency that you need to relate to. It's a great answer. But you recently have held some retreats and workshops here in Sweden. Mm. And this is part of what you do. Mm -hmm. um, how did that go? Very good, actually. Yeah. In fact, I came here, I remember, last year in August. And when I saw people who have stage 4 cancer, uh, people who have other diseases that are quite detrimental to their health and the industry not giving them a chance, it woke me up again and said, okay, I have a purpose now. It's even deeper and stronger because people haven't been asked to go learn breathing. They haven't been asked to go do some yoga or try something else out. It's like saying, okay, you've got one year or two years to live all the best. So that really touched me and I'm like, what? I can't believe I'm hearing this. So that motivated me more to say, okay, I'm going to come back here and not only here in India and in Australia and wherever else I'm invited to share that. Just do these small practices of your meditation in the morning, your breathing patterns and a bit of yoga poses and you just see how life changes for you. Uh, you've been doing this for quite some time. Uh, how many years? 20 years professionally. So 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> 
But what, what really struck me is you, you still call it a journey. Mm. You, after, after 20 years, you mm. still don't feel like you're, you're there. No, there's so much more to learn. I don't think I'll ever be there because I don't know what there means. But what I want to try and do is make an impact for as many individuals I meet along the way and keep spreading health and happiness where one person becomes two, two becomes three, three becomes four. If you ask me where I see myself at the age of 60, I see myself having a community of people and we're spreading that frequency to people in and around us. Whether it's physical or whether it's on radio or on the internet, however it may be. Is there any difference working with people here in Sweden than back home? What do you think? Are we any different to work with? See, human beings are the same all over the world. Okay, and I get this question in many countries. They say, oh, but we Indians are like that. But oh, we Swedes are like this, but we Australians are like that. I think we have our different cultural differences, but deep down, we are all connected. For example, if you ask me, do I get more welcoming here than in India? Excuse me, I would say no, it's the same, but here the information I have is limited. In India, every second person or every guru is talking about this. So there's more exposure there. But the downside there, there's hardly any action. People love talking about it, but the action plans does not exist. Over here, I think because, if I may say, not so freely available, the people I'm in contact with really value what I'm saying. And that prompts me and motivates me to keep coming back and giving more. And that's one of the reasons I am so happy for this podcast because it will help get this message out to more people that life is simple. You just have to create your boundaries and live within that and have the flexibility to move in and out of that. So when you say finding your boundaries, what, what do you mean specifically? So I personally think that we need to create our needs, our wants, our values and beliefs. Once you create that circle around you, you know who you are. And then you can always keep coming back to that center when you lose balance. For example, if you go for a party and you've made a decision to yourself, I'm going to have only like three or four beers. And suppose you have six, then what? Do you lose your circle and you say, oh my God, I've lost my circle. How can I be so weak? And then you start questioning yourself and you're so hard on yourself that the whole day next day goes in that hangover process. As opposed to having your clear boundaries and saying, okay, if I mess up, this is my backup plan. This is what I go back to. So creating your values, beliefs, needs and wants is a very important part of understanding who you are. And then creating that frequency through your lifestyle by eating well, moving well, sleeping well, coming into that state of being and then connecting both of them. So then you can make that part of your daily meditation. I mean, ha doing meditation <clears throat> with no focus is as good as being in space. <laughs> you just keep roaming around. Yeah. So when you have a focus and you're working towards that like a laser beam, you get there. So what are your boundaries? What are your fundamental rules of life? Who are you? At this point, I share who I am. <laughs> okay. yeah. So at this point, my boundaries are my morning rituals are very important for me. So that comes no matter what. And my evening rituals, which is trying to eat by 4 or 5 p.m. and getting to bed by 6 p.m. As in getting into bed, not sleeping. And then when I'm in bed, slowly going through my whole day, making my notes or my journalizing, watching a show, maybe if I want to watch like a documentary or something really interesting, maybe I might stagger upon some news and then I might say, oh God, I don't want to listen to this. So I switch back off and then moving into meditation say about by 8 8 30 p.m and going to bed eyes closed and then sleeping by 9 30 10. Yeah. that's my ideal platform and during the day devoting myself to helping human beings with health and happiness whether it's writing for the newspapers whether it's recording some meditations whether it's doing some online consultation that's my workspace 
So four, five hours of work is what I really like to do every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> do more women than men practice yoga or meditation today? Why do you think that is? I think more women practice it in a group environment. But believe it or not, my one-on-one -on -one clients or the people who sign up to see me online and offline, most of them are men. And most of them now are looking for yoga and meditation yeah. alongside their weight training. So there's a shift happening where even men want to do it. I don't know why they don't do it in a group class. Maybe yeah. it's a cultural thing in the world where men should not be doing yoga. I don't know. Maybe. Do you think we see it as being feminine? I would say so. But then I don't know. Interestingly, many sports teams are doing yoga now. Yeah, many sports teams. And I've also heard that like a person like Arnold Schwarzenegger was meditating 20 minutes in the morning, mm -hmm. 20 minutes in the, in the, in the evening. Mm -hmm. And if he's doing it, then it should be okay for men yeah. to do it, I, I guess. But I have some good news. I've started a program called Yoga for Men. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that motivates men to come into the studio. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so what advice would you give to, to someone who's just starting out? To someone who's, who hasn't really found himself yet? Or someone who's really stressed out, mm -hmm. not feeling great? Where would they begin? Okay, so first, create your needs, your wants your beliefs and your values. And how do you do that? You take a piece of paper, yeah. you sit down and you think, yeah. and you think, and you think. Then you create your triad of balance. Now, the triad of balance that I speak about is your health, your wealth, and your relationships. So together, you combine what is important for you in your health, you combine what is important for you in your wealth, and you combine what is important for you in your relationships. It's like drawing a beautiful diagram on a piece of paper. You start writing and then you take that information into your values, beliefs, needs and wants. Now, how do you know what your writing is in harmony with what you want? That's where you eat well, you move well and you sleep well. The three fundamental laws that I believe are very, very, very important for balance. Yeah. Eat well, move well, sleep well. Now, let's look at eat well, move well, sleep well. I'll just give you a quick snapshot of say eat well. You go online, you find out what you need to do to eat well and there's so much information. You get confused. You're in mm. conflict. And the whole time you're obsessed with food. You're counting the calories. You're wondering what to eat when. And it becomes a kind of madness. So what I would suggest is hold on. Let's stick to the basics. Eat well. This is what you do. Eat slowly. Eat on time. Chew your food properly. And eat with intention that every morsel you're putting in is going into where it needs to go. Mm. Start with that. So not necessarily what you eat? No. First start with the basics. Like, you know, when you start school, you do standard one, standard two, standard three. First start with the basics, the fundamentals of eating well, which is slow, mindfully, chewing properly and with intention. Once you master that, then we move on to the next level, yeah. which is eating fresh food, the kinds of food that you should eat in different seasons. That comes later. But what's happening now is we're putting the wrong information in the front and the fundamental information at the back. So I discuss a lot of this in the retreats and workshops that we create on how to eat well, what does moving well mean and what does sleeping well mean. Take sleeping well, for instance. There's so much pressure on sleeping eight hours that if you don't sleep eight hours, you feel frustrated at yourself. When actually you don't have to sleep eight hours if you don't need to. And based on your workload, maybe some days you sleep 12 hours, but some days you might just sleep five hours. So you have to find your efficiency. 
and you can do that by eating well moving well sleeping well and in that spectrum do your meditation in the morning afternoon night and how to do it what to do it i discuss a lot of this in our retreats and workshops i also have a lot of free audios available on my youtube so if people can go on and just listen to the meditation techniques your body is smart it will give you the answers before you even know it you just have to give it a chance yeah great what do you do exactly mm. for exercise yeah See, moving well, we have to remember one thing, our functional movement patterns need to happen every day. Functional uh, movement same, patterns, yeah, yeah. Exactly. stuff that we are functionally supposed to be moving. Yeah. And that's where yoga as a single form of exercise comes in because the poses came from children and animals. And they say we are a sum of all animals put together. We have evolved to human beings. So when you do these yoga poses, you get all the seven positions of your spine. So what happens then is you become childlike and then your body starts to give you those child hormones where you're so happy, not like a child, but childlike, which is the key of meditation. It's being in that state of joyfulness where you're not taking things too seriously. You're happy, but at the same time, you're balanced. Sport. Sport gives us the same kind of freedom. When you play a sport, you become childlike. So yoga, your sport, going to the gym, very good. But once again, do what works for you. Don't do what people are telling you to do because all research is not done on a group of people. It's done on a very small group of people. So the key is to find what works for you. And that's why your protocol of meditation is important. Do you ever get sick or do you ever have aches in your body or, or, or anything like that? Yes, of course I do. I try and follow the 80-20 rule. What's the 80-20? So 80 I'm good, 20 I'm bad. <laughs> okay, some go out with friends, you have a drink or two, yes. Yeah, yeah. The next day you feel slightly off center. What do you do then? Yeah. Do you go back into that whole pattern of feeling sorry for yourself and getting angry at yourself? Or do you step back and say, hold on, I'm going to balance out my day today. Yeah. So do I get sick? Yes, I do. I do get sick. In fact, it's very, very, very important for us to remember that sicknesses happen in a few ways. Sometimes there are viruses in the air which you can't control and you will just get it. Of course, if your immunity is down, you'll get hit harder. If your immunity is high, you will get hit lower. So I usually don't get sick very often. And even if I do get sick, it's maybe for a day or two when other people would be in six, seven days. So yes, I do get sick. Am I a good 100%? No. Am I like everybody else? Absolutely. What separates me, say, from somebody else who's drinking a beer every day is I just choose not to be in that frequency. It's not that they're wrong in what they do. Maybe that's their choice. And I was similar 20 years ago. I love being in that state of being acidic, having a lot of coffee, having a lot of beer and wine. Uh, at a point when I was only in the fitness industry, there was a big thing in Australia about drinking one glass of wine every night because it's good for you. So I started following the protocol. And that's when I started learning all these things that hold on. What the industry is putting out is not research, it's marketing. So what works for me? And that's when I started understanding that, hold on, I want to be in this state. Am I in the state 80% of the times? Yes. Am I happy with that? Absolutely. Do I want to get better? Yes. I keep trying each day to improve who I am, what I'm doing and how I want to live my life. So do you want to have like the 80, 20 rule or do you want, do you see your, yourself in the future like having 90, 10? 90 good and 10 bad do you strive towards that or, or are you fine where you are the 90 10 would be good but not at the cost of the community which yeah. is my family yeah. and my friends yeah. so we have to human is all about compromising and discussing with your loved ones listen today i don't feel like having a drink is it okay yeah. and then you weigh out what works more whether your peace of mind is more important by having yeah. the drink yeah. or it's not exactly <laughs> 
do you feel like you would lose friends by saying no and just being 100% strict? Would you lose a lot of friends? I don't think I will lose friends. I may lose people around me, but true friends will always be there. Will they interact with me less? Yes, of course. Yeah. Up to a point where I'm strong enough to sit with them on the same table and say, you can have your beer, but I won't indulge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How should people control their urges? Like, for instance, if I wanted to have a drink or if I wanted to have a smoke, or I wanted to test even drugs or, or sugary foods or, or something. And how do you control that? Yes. That, that bad thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, those urges come every day. I've got two young nieces and they keep asking for candy every afternoon or evening when their parents are not home. So the moment you get the candy out, I can see myself looking at that candy saying, okay, come on, one bite is going to be okay. <laughs> um, what stops me from indulging is the state of being that I want to be in. Yeah. So, for example, I love my coffee. I love the smell of coffee. I love the taste of coffee. But I don't like what coffee does to me. It gives me slight uh, hyperventilation breaths. Yeah. It makes my fingers jitter slightly. And yes, the brain is awake, but I don't like how it feels in my body. So then I consciously maybe have one, two sips of coffee, not the whole cup. Chocolate and candy is the same thing. Because of habit, when you have a coffee, that whole image comes into you that, oh, with a coffee, you should have a cookie or a cake. Yeah, exactly. So breaking that pattern, what I found is you ask yourself what state you want to be in, and then you work towards that state. And if you have the coffee and cake, then own it. Like I tell my people, OOS, own your shit, or own our shit. Okay, you're going to feel shit, accept it because of what you done but don't change and create stories saying oh i'm just having a coffee and a cookie or a chocolate because i heard it's good for me yeah. don't create stories to satisfy your choice we're talking about being in the state and it's easier to to tackle the urges and problems if you're in the this state the correct state. absolutely then you don't yeah. have to control it it just happens yeah what if you were to to face like an emergency or having a really tough uh, external event happening in your life that puts you out of the state and makes you almost impossible to follow all your routines? Would you be more receptible to indulge in, in bad routines? Possible. Yeah. It does pull you out. Yeah. And that's okay because that's when your conditioning helps you out because you're like, hold on. Here the choice is not a conscious choice. It's happened because it had to happen. Now, am I stronger than this to move into that state? Yeah. So yes, of course. I mean, in karate, like they say, we teach you to fight. So when someone attacks you, you're so fit that you run. But we teach you to fight for that day when the knife is on your throat and you just have to give one punch and that's it. Same way in life. You do your process. Sometimes you go in and out, you have some candy, you have some coffee, but that doesn't define you. What happens with us is we human beings are so beautiful that everything we do, we blame ourselves. When somebody else falls, even for that, we blame ourselves, which is fine. But then it becomes a kind of addiction where you start blaming yourself for everything. And then you're becoming hard on yourself and then you're creating that low frequency. And that's what happens. That's a form of addiction. Yeah. And this is where collective consciousness is very important. You were talking earlier about health, wealth and relationships, the fundamentals. What did you call it? The, the balance triad. The, the balance triad. Which one is the most important? How would you rank these three? All three in a triangle. That's why I call them the yeah. triad of balance. So equally, equally important. And like everything else, if say if it's what, 35-35? No, 37.5, 37.5, 37.5, would that be the right calculation? Maybe. Okay. Sometimes one can become 40, one can become slightly less, 35 or somewhere there. So that's how you modify that. But you keep that triad is a very important part. Relationship to yourself, 
defines how you relate to everybody else. And especially when you're in a partnership with somebody, there's going to be lots of conflict every day. So all the more becomes more responsibility for you to be in that state, that frequency. So obviously, I think a lot of people look up to you. You're a teacher, you're a guru, you're a role model to a lot of people. Who do you look up to? Hmm. Who's your role model? Please don't call me guru because then I have to act like one. <laughs> <laughs> You can call me body guru. That's a few steps down and I can take that responsibility. Oh, that's, that, that's my opinion. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I look up to quite a few people. Dr. Joe Dispenza is one of them. I listen to his podcast very often. Wayne Dyer is another person I listen to. My parents, who I go to advise whenever I require. My karate sensei. And pretty much, if I may say, when I'm in the state of meditation, I tune into the frequency. So I ask the universe for help and the answers come and sometimes the answers come with images of certain yoga masters or meditation teachers and then i thank and i'm very grateful for the information they share our brains are like radio we pick up frequencies wherever we want to be so yeah that's who i look up to and i keep looking for answers looking for teachers who can guide me but most importantly my students or my my support system who come to my classes are my best teachers because i learn so much from them i learn so much on how to help how to be empathetic and how to connect and understand what they are saying from their mouth rather than from my own ears so it makes me really learn a lot when people speak to me and I'm trying to understand where they're coming from and then give an answer based on what they want, not what I think is right. We're talking a little bit about fears and, and the role models and everything, but what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of anything? Yes, fears keep coming like a buffet. Yeah. You know, you have different fears that different come. Different fears. Yeah, okay. different fears. The fear of not being good enough. So there are certain primal fears. Not being good enough. Why me? Is this idea of mine going to work? Or should I take a safer idea? How am I going to reach my message internationally to different countries as a single person? These are all fears that keep coming in the periphery. The idea is to be in your state of frequency once again. That's where the meditation and your discipline comes in. Because you kind of sit back and you say, hold on, I can see this. Do I want to be part of that or do I want to honor the decision I made two and a half, three years back saying, no, this is my vision, my mission. And please, people all around the world, guide me and help me to get there. So which part do I want to believe in? So I choose this part. And at times, yes, when I'm off center, these fears come more. I have to step back and say, OK, I need to meditate now because this is getting too much. It's not me. And I don't want to buy into the frequency. So, yes, it's a constant, constant, constant discipline heard that quote before you should meditate at least 15 minutes a day unless you're stressed <laughs> then, then you should sit for an hour nice so that's uh, nice one. a lot of truth in that one yeah what would you say you are the most grateful for in life for having the opportunity of being able to share my tools when i say mine i actually don't mean mine it means ours our tool of health and happiness and even though if you asked me this question in 2013 when i went through my divorce and I'm like, hold on, why am I the guinea pig over here? <laughs> why do I have to be the one going through this to achieve a state of being? But now when I look back, I am grateful in a way that I'm sitting here alive and speaking with a sense of freedom and a sense of lightness that I didn't have many years back. Because now I think I can take on anything that comes. Nothing 
really matters anymore because the fears that I had have lived and I realized, hold on, these fears are just basically a movie. Mm. So you create the movie you want. And that's what I do with my meditations. I create the movies I want. So you feel prepared? For prepared, yes. Pretty much anything. That's the right word. Your typical customer, who are they? Is there any typical customer or... It's interesting you ask me this question because when I was preparing my business plans, there's a big question, right? Who's your typical customer? So you choose your demography, you choose your their kind of personality, their income stream, blah, 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 blah. But right now, my ideal customer is the customer that wants health and happiness. I'm having mood swings. Certain days are better than others, uh, which it is for, for most people. How do I specifically find balance in my life? What, what can I do? So mood swings happen because of the foods we eat, the emotions we go through, the weather, you know, our work. The idea is to do your meditation and focus on the process. Nothing else will help you better than doing that. Yes, the first question that comes to us is, oh, I have to put half an hour into this meditation, but I don't have time because I could be doing something else. But we forget that if you did that half an hour of meditation, everything else gets done faster. Exactly. And it gets done in such a beautiful way that in a way we need to get addicted to that state. We need to make that choice. It's like saying, I choose to be in that state because I deserve it, because I'm worth every minute of that state. That's what works for me. I hope you can try it and see if that works for you. Yeah. I think one of the problems with meditation is that, at least for me, it took me like probably a month before I saw the, the, the mm. clear results. And by the time a month has, has passed, most of the people would probably have given up. How do you think we should tackle this issue of, of meditating? How do we perform a meditation exercise the most effectively? What, what should you think about? What, you, what should you focus on? How should you, how should you do? Yeah. So well, I think one of the most important questions is a brain is like a body, but we don't think of it like a body. So for example, when you start a fitness program, you have different levels, right? So you have a basic level, then you have intermediate, then you have advanced. And even in that you have a warm up and you have your main session and then you have a cool down. Why not we look at the brain in the same manner, which is okay. First, you're starting a basic meditation. Then you're starting intermediate. Then you're starting advanced. So whenever you join a gym, they say minimum three months, right? For your base fitness to come. Same way with the brain, that's for meditation. It takes a minimum of three months of regular practice, if not more, to get some sort of benefit. And if you got it in one month, means there is something that you should follow even deeper because that's really good. And if you look at the brain as the body and the body as the brain, it becomes simple because you're like, oh my God, hold on. We are right. We need to do some form of warm up for the brain before we move into that state. Now, what is meditation? There is so much of conflict in what meditation is. And we use the term meditation very loosely. Yoga describes meditation in a beautiful way. It says before you go into the state of dhyana, which is meditation, there are two other states. There's pratyahara and there's dharna. So automatically, it makes you feel less pressured because pratyahara is the state of going through your senses, the five senses and overcoming the senses, which is what they make you do in martial arts. They punch you, punch you, punch you till you become solidly like you don't take that pain as pain. It's you detach from the sense of pain. In the same way, in yoga, they say pratyahara is getting rid of the senses or detaching from the senses. And then comes dharna, which is a single pointed focus on one point and then shifting to the other point. 
And then comes dhyana, which is meditation, which is quite intense if you ask me, because it's a state of being that you and me have maybe just experienced for a moment. And to experience that state longer, we must practice the two stages of Pratyahara and Dharana more often. So to give you a tip, I would say, look at the brain and the body as one or as two separate entities and give it the same kind of respect you give the body. What specifically do you try to focus on? Because all sorts of thoughts pop in your head. Mm -hmm. what, what do you focus on? Yeah, so I like to make it very simple, especially when I share it with my customers or my clients or my patients who come to me. First, think of your thoughts as a buffet. You put them into different boxes. Once you put them into different boxes and you're aware of your thoughts, you start tick marking or deleting the box you don't want for that day. And you keep cycling it. For example, the first round, you might have 12 thoughts or 12 boxes. The second round, you might have 14 or you might have 10. So you keep cycling those boxes up to a point where you come to say three, four thoughts. Then you're able to see the thoughts. Otherwise, what happens is our thoughts are all jumbled up together like wires. And that's where the chaos and the confusion comes. Yeah. So I don't think for us at this stage, meditation is about not thinking. I think it's about allowing the thoughts you want rather than not thinking. Yeah. So as the thought comes, I'm a bad man. Uh, no, I don't like you. Thank you for coming. Go away. I'm a good man. Maybe, maybe not. I don't want to be identified as bad or good. So thank you for coming. This is who I am. I'm Marcus or I am whoever I want to be. Yeah, it's an interesting take on it. Okay. Absolutely. If you get a chance to speak to young people growing up today with all the the, the social media, junk food and lack mm -hmm. of exercise, what would you what would you want to tell the kids and the, the people growing up in the Western civilization? Mm. What would you like to, to say to them? Well, it's, see, it's going to be very challenging for my words to reach the younger population till the collective consciousness through community doesn't change. So, for example, children are pure. They click in to the consciousness that exists at that point of time. Once we as a community start collectively talking about these things, because we all humans are smart, we know what to do. You give them an opportunity or an environment to express themselves and you see you won't even need my advisor information. We will simply do it. And that's why I've created these retreats where I encourage people to come to or workshops because we create an environment of collectively being conscious of what and where we need to go at this point in life. And that action will translate to kids. Kids only learn by seeing. They don't learn by listening. So I think this information I would share with the adults and the parents and the community at large that let's create a point of awareness for a community which includes the olders and the youngers to come together and have more discussions like this or create half day workshops or create one day workshops where you mix, give them some gaming, give them some conversations and let's adapt to where they want and where they need to go. And once they experience like a state of meditation like you and me do through a meditation and they experience that high frequency, they will get addicted to it. But just like how social media is in front of them, we need to take our stuff in front of them. That's when they'll start valuing it. Can you in short uh, describe how you typically work with a, with a new customer? I pride myself on keeping things simple. And that's why I've created the triad of balance, health, wealth, and relationships. I've also created the three fundamental rules of eat well, move well, sleep well. And it's pretty much like letting people know, hold on, if you want to work with me, this is the formula. This is the base. 
Once you do the base, you get your white belt. And if you want to progress, then you get your yellow, your green, and then you become a black belt when you're ready. Then you don't need me. Then you're clear of your fundamentals. You come back to me only when you need me. I'll give you a very good example. So someone wanted to sign up to see me three times a week and their main role was weight loss. So we had an interview and we discussed this whole a triad of balance, the three fundamental rules, which is your health, wealth and relationships. And I also mentioned to him that, see, all the work that you're going to do for weight loss or anything that you want in life, about 50% is visualization and excuse me, and about 50% is work. So I'm going to give you two options. We do half an hour of training or weights or yoga and half an hour of visualization, which means intense meditation, where we keep visualizing your body, your health, your wealth and your relationships exactly the way you want it. He said, no, I want one hour of exercise because I can't do half an hour meditation. So it's that simple for us to run away from what really works because we are battling our own minds and our own thoughts because of the same question that we went through, which is how do you choose the thoughts that serve you and how do you choose the thoughts that don't serve you? So when I see new patients who want to join me or clients who want to join me, I give them the fundamental rules. And then based on that, I keep monitoring them if they're one-on-one -on -one sessions. And if they're group sessions, then we create a group of people together and we keep meeting once a week or once every two weeks on Facebook as a group or on WhatsApp as a group. Do you have any contact with them live, like person to person? Yes. If they choose that package, absolutely. Then we do one-on-one -on -one consultations live. We also do group healing sessions. Say, for example, if someone has a family member who is not well. So we collectively sit together, all of us, and we create a time and a space. And then in that time and a space, we create the intention of healing. And that seems to work wonders because like I always say, collectively, if we do things together, our intentions will manifest much faster. So I've read that more and more businesses here in Europe is starting to integrate meditation into their work life. Do you work anything with, with companies or corporations at the moment? Yes, absolutely. So corporations work in as a community. But the challenge here is the hierarchy system that we're so used to seeing where there's a boss and then you have subordinates and then you have subordinates. When actually, if they sat together as a group or a community of people and they meditated on the vision and mission of the company, you would find that each person does their roles without even asking to be told. Like a sports team, when you play a group sports team, you observe how the good teams, the one person is always there to cover the other person. And so that's the kind of practices that I do with corporations, which is first make them understand the ground rules of your triad of balance, uh, your fundamentals of eat well, move well, sleep well. And then we do group meditations together. So sometimes first we do sitting meditations and we understand our own energy, our own thoughts, and then we blindfold everybody and we ask them to go to separate corners of the room. And once they do that, with their eyes closed, we ask them to find out who's next to them. So you have to write down on a piece of paper that they have with them, the person who's next to them. So they're supposed to use their senses without the eyes, so the ears, the smell, and just to, without touching the person, feel the energy of the other person. And what happens is because they've spent the whole time together, the whole day, if you do this workshop in the morning, so this practice in the morning, they get about 50% correct. By the end of the day, they get 100% correct. So that's the power of community yeah. and collecting actively working together and creating that consciousness towards a mission and vision. And that's very successful because the corporations is a micro in terms of a community. So once we have enough success rates over here, we can implement the same thing through a community, which is very exciting. You're really convinced that participating in yoga and meditation for companies would be productive? 
absolutely companies sports teams elite athletes ceos because they form the crux or the group or the core of wellness or health and happiness which basically means wellness why yoga and why meditation because yoga like i mentioned before is a 360 degree offering i'm not saying it's the only offering but it's done in a space which you just need a mat for so space is not a constraint you can do it anywhere you want and meditation is great because there's so many different forms of meditation there's active meditation there is passive meditation there's guided meditation sport in itself can become meditative and you play a sport right so you have seen when they say athletes move into a zone, zone or the zone that's your state of meditation so it's just about creating that zone as and when you want have you ever heard about ted talks yes yeah i've actually seen pretty recently like a short clip for about 5 minutes about learning mm. learning in general and the example that they mentioned there was a group of people perhaps 30 people so they divided them into two groups of 15 so the the first group they practiced throwing a ball like a basketball into the into the net and the other 15 people they only could visualize it they never got a chance to practice and by the time they were going to, to compete or show it off they scored pretty much equally it was just as important to visualize it as it was to actually practice it i have actually heard of this research yeah but I didn't want to share it because I wasn't sure if people would take it in the right way but absolutely this research shows how powerful visualization yeah. is and remember we spoke about creating that movie of yours and that's what I do morning and evening I create the movie I want how I react to people how I feel during the day and what process I want to use during the day to feel that visualization that's a very important thing so visualization acts as a placebo the placebo effect so you have to be smart that you can't overuse it because at some point brain's going to catch on and say hey hold on i know you're just visualizing you're not actually practicing so let's look at that as one aspect but let's not forget you can visualize and act and that will give you not 50% not 100% but 200% progress so let's not stop at only visualization start with the visualization but do the action do the physical action If you were to change the topics here and what if I told you you had to switch careers into something completely else nothing regarding the body or the mind or or anything what would you do what would you be your choice of career actor actor <laughs> <laughs> because I could create my own movies there right <laughs> yeah, yeah. you can inspire people that way so yeah, yeah. Great answer. And actors are top athletes because they work with emotions and they have to get in and out of emotions very quickly. And if we can just quickly discuss something about emotions, um a lot of times we feel it's not fair for us to emote. So if you're angry, we're like it's not good, I should not be angry. I differ. I think it's very important to emote what you feel, but not at the cost of somebody else. so maybe find your own room find a meditation that works for you and emote what you're feeling either through writing to shouting through running to walking through yoga emote it and feel it and then make that frequency choice again do you want to be in that frequency or not and then you make that choice and you move away from it but don't let it own you because if you suppress your anger it'll come out again somewhere else but how would you control some somebody coming up to you and shouting at you and being mad at you and irritating you and you don't have the time to go away and collect your thoughts mm-hmm. and, and and write it down or how do you handle those kind of situations 
see it's very important to like i shared before to start practicing the state you want to yeah. be in when someone starts shouting at you the first thing we do is we feel offended that's our emotion right what if we just shift our focus on thinking poor person that person is suffering and that person is shouting at me how can i help that person so you change the frequency in your head and mind and i understand what you're trying to ask me it's difficult to be poker faced when someone's shouting at you because that person might get even angrier if you don't react so it's important to create that void for yourself so it's like covering yourself in a box and just listening or think that you're driving a car and there's a storm what do you do you drive slowly right same way let the storm come 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 just hear just listen and feel the pain that other person is feeling because the moment you feel that as a human being you will not get angry you'll be like oh my god i feel for you and then move away from it when things calm down like an actor shift from feeling bad or feeling pity to being realistic and understanding the situation but the first thing is to understand why you're feeling triggered in the first place so the last question of this podcast is uh, where can people find you? How do they contact you? So they can look up my website, prameetkotak.com. I hope that spelling's easy. I'll just spell it for you. P-R-A-M-E-E-T-K-O-T-A-K.com. Or you can put Body Guru Retreats. B-O-D-Y-G-U-R-U-R-E-T-R-E-A-T-S. And it should come up with a lot of information about me. So please come online, ask me your questions, uh, log into my, I mean, come in, uh, sign up for my YouTube channel. It's for free. So just come in and get as much information as you want. Read the articles I've written for different newspapers. It uh, varies from fitness to wellness to food to nutrition. Uh, but most importantly, start to follow me now onwards on my Instagram and Facebook too, because the information I'm sharing now is quite in tune with what is required for humanity as a whole. So please come on and... Let's together build a healthy and a happier community, one person at a time or one retreat at a time. Perfect. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much for being here. Thank you.